welcome to a fairly historic edition of uh, Smith and Hesson because this is the first one we've done where Mike Hesson is actually on New Zealand soil, albeit still in quarantine at a prestigious hotel somewhere in uh, Auckland, which we won't disclose. But uh, welcome home, Mike. I, I suppose you still feel quite a long way from Dunedin. Yeah, thanks, Smithy. Certainly nice to breathe in some fresh air and feel like you're at home. But um, yeah, you do. You're still a you're still a plane ride away from home, and uh, looking forward to seeing the family in a in a week's time. Well, this also coincides, of course, with um, the start of the cricket season down under, I call it, which includes New Zealand, Australia, and of course South Africa. Three series, important series, about to start. There, let's start at home, Mike, with uh, the Black Caps against the West Indies, starting on Friday night at Eden Park. Um, and uh, that's a T20 match. New Zealand side without Bolt and without Williamson, they're two true world-class T20 players. So from uh, the outset, not quite the complete squad. No, look, the Black Caps won't be as strong as they would be with uh, Bolt and Williamson, but it does provide opportunity with the World Cup, you know, not that far away. So, um, you know, often you do have to rest players. Often the T20 format appears to be the one where it's easiest to do so. Uh, and obviously with the test matches around the corner. So I think New Zealand got plenty of depth in that T20 squad, or at least enough to to challenge some players over the coming week, uh, just to see how good they are against what I think will be a very good West Indian side. Let's look at that uh, New Zealand squad. Also, I think it's important to note that in that selection, uh, they're going to release Southey, who's captain, Jamison and Taylor for the third of those uh, T20s to go back and start training with the test squad. Now, does that a, an indication that they're raising the tests more important than the T20s. Bear in mind, bearing in mind, T20 World Cups, etc., are not that far away. Look, I think it does, and I think um, you know, from the playing point of view, um, Test cricket has always been ranked the highest. So I, I don't think that will ever be compromised. Oh, certainly not in the short term, anyway. I still think New Zealand aren't quite sure what their best side is heading to India for this World Cup. So I guess it does prevent present some opportunities for the selectors to try a few in the first three games. Colin Munro has decided that he's going to play uh, the Big Bash instead for the Perth Scorchers this year. I guess that's quite a lucrative deal for him. He indicated quite some time ago that was the direction he was heading anyway. But would this mean that this is the end for Colin Munro in New Zealand colours? I'm not so sure. I think with the fact he's got 14 games uh, sort of on prime time TV, which the New Zealand selectors will be watching also, um, you know, obviously the competition is not international, but the Big Bash League um, is a, a decent standard of cricket, so he will be challenged over there. You know, if he was to put up big numbers over there, then it would be hard to to forget about him. Um, but, I mean, you know, give a sucker an even break, and obviously Devin Conway, I think Tim Seifert and Glenn Phillips will get opportunities over these, these coming three games or the coming summer. And, I mean, it's up to, to two of those three to grab it, and if then I think it'll be harder for Colin to get himself back in the frame. Devin Conway would be one of the most talked about cricketers in New Zealand without even playing for New Zealand so far. He now qualifies, of course. This will be his first series. They have opted to play him just so far in the T20s and leave him out of the test squad, perhaps ease him in there. But we don't know what he's going to be like at international level. He's, he's uh, unproven. Uh, but where do you bat him? Uh, uh, people are saying, do they play him? I say, yes, of course they play him. Where do they bat him? Does he slot in for Munro or do they push Seifert up to bat with Guptill? How do, you, how do you do that batting order? Because you've got Taylor there as your safety valve. You, and and I, I look at that side and, and Conway, Guptill, 
uh, Phillips, I suppose, and Seifert, Taylor, fight out those top four or five places. And then you've got your all-rounders. Uh, I suppose you've, you've got to look at Nisham, and you look also at Daryl Mitchell, who's been included for the T20s. Uh, and then you get your Santner Sodi, all capable batsmen, of course. We, we know that. How do you how do you go yeah. your mix? This is you know before Friday night. Oh look, personally, I, I like the left right um, at the top, and I think Devin Conway's showed enough ability at the top of the order. He's technically a very sound player, albeit it's been in domestic cricket. Um, but even when he's you know played against the best bowlers, the international bowlers, um, he's done well. So you know I would like to see him at the top of the order. I think that provides that left right combination with Guptill. And then it's the keeper at number three. So Seifert and Phillips will be batting, battling that out. I think Seifert um, takes that um, in terms of his opportunities. I think he's slightly better with the gloves. Um, and from a batting point of view, the selectors look like they're looking uh, at giving him some consistent opportunities over this series. Uh, when Taylor disappears, maybe Phillips might come back in the mix. I actually think Daryl Mitchell will bat at four. I think they need to um, mix up the types of players. Daryl Mitchell's a power player. So if they've got the likes of um, Seifert at three, Daryl Mitchell at four, and then they've got Ross, you talk about being the, the safety valve, but that player with that experience, uh, likely Nisham, another left-hander at six, I would think. Um, he provides another option. Then you've got sort of your, your Jamison, Seifer, uh, Jamison um, Satner, I think, at seven and eight, and then th- uh, Southey and, and a couple of bowlers to follow. So, um, look, I think it's a, a sound squad, and I think there's enough power in that mix as well. What makes the West Indies dangerous from your point of view? Sometimes they come here, their record is not flashy. It's, it's, it's almost, to me, going way, way back to the 80s. It's a mood thing for the West Indies. If, they, if they're in the mood, look out. If they're not in the mood, uh, they've had some COVID issues where they got themselves into a spot of bother there. That was a negative. Uh, I just wonder, for, from your point of view, personnel-wise, what makes them dangerous? Because for me, sitting here right now, uh, Black Caps warm favourites. Look, I think they'll be favourites in New Zealand conditions, but for me, Kyron Pollard is the one that um, makes West Indies strong, not just from his batting and power point of view, but from his captaincy. He's a, a strong leader. Um, he waits from his players the, the love that they go through. You know, often West Indies sides they can get a, they can get a negative role, and the Black Caps can start to um, you know to dominate. I think that um, Eden Park they might struggle a little bit at the start with that steep bounce. Um, that will be a challenge for them. But I think if they can get through that, they've got loads of power in that batting order. Um, you know, I just... Nicholas Poran for me, um, Hetmeyer. Uh, but Poran, a lot of left-handers. Left-handers have done well over here, been done well at Eden Park. Um, Nicholas Poran, I think, is a proper player. Um, and I think he'll be someone that we talk about for years to come. Hetmeyer against spin is dangerous. And from a, a bowling point of view, um, they've got pace. They've got a, a decent leg spinner. Uh, and Walsh, you know, they've got enough variety. But for me, uh, Kyron Pollard, I think, will make a difference this series. Certainly uh, a truly uh, a world-class T20 player and a real superstar in, in the IPL as well. So uh, that's uh, New Zealand against the West Indies. That's on Friday night. Uh, across the Tasman at the same time, and this is uh, the one we're showing here on Sky Sport uh, 52. Uh, I think it's the hottest ticket of the summer. It's India against Australia. For me, I'll, I'll be glued to a lot of that cricket because the, the quality of the two sides is like a magnet to me. I mean, they're just the two best sides, man for man, I think, in the world at the moment. Uh, India do have Virat Kohli in, in the white form of the game. He's, of course, it's been well publicised. He's going to play 
just the one test match. But I look at the makeup of, and I'm not going to go through the whole lot for you, Mike, because you know them so well. But I've given Cahill Rahul, as, he has really uh, developed into a strong player on that side with the, with the gloves, and now, of course, the vice captain. Shikadawan Gill, you know a lot about Aya. We saw him here last year. Uh, you raved about his qualities. And then you go to the bowling side of things with Bumrah, Muhammad Shani, Saini, Chahal, Jadeja, the all-rounder. Wow, what a what a power-packed Indian side. They haven't they haven't pulled any punches uh, taking taking guys away, apart from Rohit Sharma, who will be back later. As you said, hot property. Uh, any side, any country around the world. As a cricket fan, you just want to turn up and watch them play. And we know how tough Australia are in their own conditions. So I can't wait to watch that that series uh, on Sky Sport in the coming months. But even the first game, just setting that tone. For me, the, the player I'm really interested in seeing um, is someone who's going to be at the top of the order, which I think will be Mayan Gagawal. Uh, he performed very well in the Test Series in Australia. Struggled a little bit when he came to New Zealand last year, but had a fantastic IPL at the top of the order. And I think that uh, with Shikadawan, I think they're looking for someone uh, to open because they're really keen on KL Rahul batting at five and sort of owning those middle overs. So I think it'd be a slightly different mix, but um, Mayan Gagawal come out, he will look to attack the new ball. Probably more so even so than Rohit Sharma. Um, doesn't have the, the volume of runs behind him, but I think he's a high-quality player. Um, and as you said, that bowling attack, no matter what they go with, will be, uh, will be you know, mouth-watering. Will they bounce Steve Smith? I mean, everyone else in the world has had a crack and it's worked pretty well. Oh, I think Sharmi will. I think Sharmi's short and skiddy. I mean, we saw Neil Wagner, uh, maybe through la- uh, variation in pace at times, but that skiddy bounce... You know, Mohamed uh, Muhammad Shami is the same. He's perhaps a little bit quicker, um, but he's he's quite short. He bowls that skiddy bouncer. He's tough to get out of the way. And I'm pretty sure over the summer we'll see uh, Muhammad Shami hit Steve Smith on the head at least a couple of times. However, I throw it back at you. I, I You know, India's top order is, is phenomenal. I throw Aaron Finch back at you, the captain, David Warner, Steve Smith, and Manus Lubbershane. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good to take them on anyway, I think, up front. Well, it's the best of the best, to be fair, at the moment. I mean, you, you could put England in that category as well in terms of their top order, but uh, I think, you know, that top four, they're, they're a real variety of talent. You know, you talk about Finch and Warner. You know, Finch is more of a back foot player, looks to, to hit the ball square, um, does have power down the ground if they look to, to throw it up there. Warner's a bit more round the ground. And Smith and Lubbershane is sort of clones um, probably even even ha- has more ability to score all the way around the clock. So he's developing into an outstanding one-day player. So, I mean, look, I'll tell you what, I'll be tuned in at 4 o'clock on Friday. There's no doubt about that. I can tell you right here and now, apart from 2,000 tickets, this is early this morning, apart from 2,000 tickets in Sydney on Friday night, the first four games in, those, in that battle between India and Australia are completely sold out. So that's the level of interest. And just imagine the atmosphere we're going to have coming in uh, on Channel 52. I can't wait for either, Mike. I'll be uh, perhaps uh, with ale in hand somewhere, definitely. But I'll be watching those first few overs because I think it's going to set the tone for a magnificent summer. Meanwhile, uh, just to to finish off the third series, uh, and that's on Sky Sport Channel 52 as well, uh, early Saturday morning. uh, Three T20s, three one-day internationals. England against South Africa, Morgan against the cock. Um, now, this is an interesting thing for me. Because of the administration, the effect that COVID has had in South Africa on their sport in particular, we've seen it with the Springboks pulling out of a series. 
Now, uh, this is at home, admittedly, and this is an administration now run by Graham Smith, basically, um, and Mark Boucher, of course, is the coach. But this is an administration I look at and I think, man, do they need a positive summer? Really, do they need a positive summer? Yeah, they certainly do. And obviously, there's been far too much government interference over there as well. And that's, you know, that's marred, uh, obviously, the build-up to this season. So, I mean, Graham Smith, um, been fortunate enough to work with him a little bit. I think he's a good man. And he's a, a proud South African, doing whatever he can to, to get set on track, as is Mark Boucher. You know, they're a very strong side at home. You know, we saw a glimpse uh, earlier on in the year when England uh, and South Africa, or England went to South Africa for this T20 series, and it was high scoring. There were scores of 200 chased down, 195, you know, going down to the last ball. This will be a cracker series. Um, Quinton de Kock will lead the side again. Uh, he will take on the pace of England. We've talked a lot about Archer and Wood, who have plenty of pace. De Kock's not going to sit back. He's going to take them on especially in the power play. Um, and that's going to just set the tone for that uh, South African batting order. And we know that they've got plenty of good pace options. Um, and Shamsi, from a, a Chinaman perspective, left arm, leg spinner, he got some wickets and had some good success against England as well. So I think South Africa will be, will be tough to beat, but I think it'll be a great series. Well, I look at that South African squad. There's a lot of names I do know, but there's a heck of a lot I know. Obviously, it's going to be based, the bowling is around Rabada, who was uh, outstanding in the IPL. Uh, but they have opted, even those available for white ball cricket, not to use the experience of Dale Stain, which is an interesting decision when you, you're bloody new players around, because at least in the squad, but he's not even there. And they haven't really been able to get hold of A.B. de Villiers uh, and, and say, listen, could you come back and, and uh, times are tough. We need a good summer. I thought if anyone could perhaps get him back in the mix, it would be someone like a Graham Smith who might be able to you know, work away on him on a personal note. But that has not happened. So uh, I look at this. You know, the other day um, they had a, a couple of players who tested positive for COVID in their extended squad. Both teams, as late as Thursday, are going to have to undergo full COVID testing. So it just shows you. Uh, I think it's a classic example of where the world of sport is at at the moment, but it, it just shows you what a bit of a knife edge this whole series is. And, and I mentioned before, uh, Graham Smith, is I'm not sure he's been thrown under the bus, but he, he's taken a job which I'm not sure too many sporting administrators would want at the moment. No, I mean, he's taken it because he's passionate. And I think that's probably the only reason you would do it because you're right, you're going to put yourself under plenty of pressure uh, and he's certainly seen that in the first sort of 12 to 18 months in the job. After some initial success, um, you know, it was challenging. And then, as I said, it became a little bit too political. But um, it's amazing you put two or three good performances on the board and, and people start to forget about that. Um, I think that South Africa could do with some of that experience. Um, I'm not so sure about A.V. de Villiers, whether he's interested. I know Dale Stain is. Um, he hasn't played a lot of cricket, um, played the three games in the IPL. I know he's gone to the, the Lankin Premier League, played some cricket. I think Sri Lanka, uh, South Africa might have thought he was a bit underdone. Uh, and I suppose you, when you get to the twilight of your career, unless you're regularly, it can be harder to get up to speed. So I guess they know what Dale can do come the World Cup at the end of the year. They just want to look at a few other, uh, the likes of Ngidi, um, you know, see what he can do with the new ball and, and whether he's a good option. Just finally, Mike, uh, Susie Bates, news come through. Susie Bates has to come home and have surgery and rehabilitate. Um, 
you know, one of New Zealand's key players over the years. In fact, a legendary uh, player for New Zealand women's cricket. The Melbourne Stars are just absolutely blitzing it over there in terms of the women's big bash. Uh, they look like they're the hot favourites to go through and win the thing at this stage. But for Susie Bates, it's interesting because she oh, she might mind me saying this, she's she's no spring chicken anymore on the basis she's been around so long. So we, we can only really wish her well because without Susie Bates, uh, New Zealand women's cricket team just doesn't look complete and hasn't for quite some time. And she's been absolutely critical for the White Ferns for a number of years. Um, I mean, she's the, she's the person that holds that top order together, huge amount of runs, but also that experience trying to introduce younger players. Uh, it's difficult for Susie because obviously she had that injury prior to the BBL, uh, went over there and then re-injured it. So clearly it is going to need an operation. Uh, you know, she's a formidable player. Um, she's a great cat around the group. Um, and she's led the side in, in so many games uh, in the White Ferns and she'll be sorely missed. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's, it's one area that, um, you know, the women's game in New Zealand is, is depth. It's really hard to get. And that's why you want those experienced players around you to try and help develop the younger ones. Uh, Sophie Devine's been in amazing form, hasn't she? I think the Perth Scorchers, they finished fourth, but her side's certainly going to have a, a real good chance at winning that. And I think the, probably the thing that amazed me the most is that the Sydney Sixers with the likes of Alyssa Healy um, actually missed out on the playoffs for the second year in a row. And they sort of had that star-studded side. So certainly showing that in the women's game, the BBL is certainly starting to develop and there's a whole lot more stars starting to come out, including many from New Zealand. Exciting times, Mike. Uh, cricket really begins in earnest uh, in a few days' time. So um, we'll leave it at that catch up with the next week and we'll just see how uh, the early stages of these competitions have worked out and who gets uh, the early dominance. So enjoy um, cell block, whatever you're in at the moment and uh, it won't be, t won't be too far away, mate. You'll be able to have a nice cold space at home. Thank you, Smilly. I very much look forward to it. Good on you, boy. Thank you. Thanks, Cheers. Mate.